right? At the end of the year, after working 2,000 plus hours, after having a gross salary of anywhere from 60 to quarter million dollars, where is it? What do you have to show forth, right? And that is the difference between income and wealth, right? We have to accumulate. We got to stack. You know, people say stack your bread. We got to stack our bread year over year over year over year. And that is how we create wealth. Welcome to the Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Uncensored Show. So today, it's just me. I know that I've been bringing the guests ever since we relaunched the podcast with the Uncensored brand. Uh, I think I was the very first episode by myself, and then since then, I've brought you nine powerful guests. And so we've went 10 weeks straight. Round of applause, guys. I've never been this consistent ever in the history of my podcasting career. So really, really excited about the fact that we've been able to remain this consistent. Uh, Part of that is because I planned ahead and had many episodes in the pipeline, but I've actually ran out of those episodes. So maybe that's the reason why I'm doing this solo cast. Uh, But not in all actuality, I'm doing this because uh, I just came off of a a really big launch for my Money Mastery Academy. If you didn't get a chance to check that out or or tap in with that, don't worry. We will be uh, rolling that out again. In the near future, we currently have our our newest students enrolled and we're excited to work with them. And now it is time to talk about Black Wealth Friday. Um, But before we do that, there's two things I want to do. First, I want to start off with a little bit of housekeeping because when I do my other podcast episodes, I typically just jump right in. It's all about the guests. Uh, I don't share much about anything that's going on um, else, you know, other than what we're talking about that day. But I did want to do a little bit of housekeeping, especially when I have an opportunity to be on the podcast by myself. So the first one is that we are going to start two new things that I think are going to be super fun and super cool. Uh, The first one is funny money, right? Or we could say funny slash dummy money. And basically, this is where I want you to send me any funny money moment that you've had in the past, like a situation where it's like, I just can't believe I did that. I can't believe that happened. Uh, There's no real guardrails around that. If it involves money and it's funny, (laughs) um, you can send it over. And ideally, we would like for you to send it over in a voice note. Uh, We'll have the ability in the near future where you can uh, go to our website and record and save that voice note right there on the site. But until that functionality is updated, if you have an iPhone or an Android, I'm almost certain that you have the ability to record a voice memo. And the reason why we're asking you to record it is because when we select one of these, we're going to actually play it on the show. If you're not comfortable with us playing it on the show, you can still send in an audio message and we'll just talk about it. Or uh, you can just drop us a line and we'll talk about it on the show if you don't want to hear your own voice on the podcast. But who doesn't want to hear their own voice on the podcast? So send in that voice note. The other fun thing that we're going to do is we're going to introduce the money mailbag. All you people out there who've been wanting to get your questions answered for free as it relates to money, um, now is your chance, right? So the money mailbag, think of it like the strawberry newsletter, um, if any of you are uh, know about Steve Harvey and his morning show, I think they still do the strawberry newsletter. But basically, where someone has something that they want to ask, and maybe it's juicy, maybe they don't want to re- reveal their identity. Maybe it's a question like, hey, I have this secret account and I don't want my spouse to know. Or, hey, is it okay to, um, you know, get a second get a second job or a second side hustle? and have extra money and your spouse doesn't know about it, or whatever the question might be. Um, in, in all honesty, it doesn't have to be like super juicy. It can be just a question that you want to ask, right? Because you know, if it's something that you want 
to remain anonymous about, that's all fine and well. But if it's, hey, I just want to get my question answered, they can be whatever. It can say, hey, is it better to rent or buy a house? Is it better to pay off your debt fast or save and invest? Like Whatever those questions are, now's your chance to ask them for free and we will answer them on the podcast. So you'll want to make sure that you tune in every week because your question might be the one that we ask. So again, uh, simply record a voice memo and you can send that voice memo to G. Achimpong, and I know I'm going to have to spell this for you, G-A-C-H-E-A-M-P-O-N-G at capitalwise.co, and that's C-A-P-I-T-A-L-W-I-Z-E dot C-O. Of course, I like to make things super easy for you guys, so I'll probably create uh, some type of easy landing page. I'll definitely include the information in the show notes, and again, as we as time goes on, will make it easier and easier for you to submit these requests, but keep them coming. I think it'll be super fun, super interesting to hear what you guys have to say. All right, so now let's get into Blackwell Friday. And before we do that, uh, I do want to give a little bit of historical context as to why this is so important, why this is so necessary, and why you should be telling everybody about this the moment you hear this podcast episode, right? So if you haven't been following me for a while or you're new to the podcast, then you might not know much about Melanin Money and why that movement was started. So Melanin Money was a movement that I started, wow, actually this month, I think this week, um, two years ago. That's crazy. I didn't even realize that as I was um, recording this episode. I think it was the 17th of November or the 11th of November because I think it had like a cool date. So it was it was either 11 17 17 or 11 11 17. But that's when I launched Melanin Money. And Melanin Money is a movement to help 100,000 people of color invest their first or next $1,000 in the stock market. Cuz when I always say invest their next $1,000, most people's follow-up question is like where and what how? And I actually did a podcast on this probably uh, two years ago that explains that and breaks it, breaks it down. I'll link that in the show notes as well for those who want to go back. But um, that movement has been going incredibly well over the past couple of years. People have been getting started with where they are uh, as it relates to building wealth. They're not waiting. They don't feel like they have to have a quarter million dollars or even uh, 50000 or even 10000 for that matter. They're simply starting where they are. And so while I was super excited about um, that movement and how it's continued to be a pillar um, in our culture. It's, it's funny because I'll, I'll go different places and people will know about Melanin Money. They might not know about George, but they will know about Melanin Money. And so I, I knew then that Melanin Money was something special and we had to continue to find ways to evolve it. Um, there's so many things on the horizon for that particular brand and platform. Um, I'm not really somebody who likes to talk about stuff that's coming soon. So I'll just share those with you as those things roll out. But one of the things that is new and the reason for this podcast is Black Wealth Friday, right? So granted, I've been advocating for people investing their money throughout the entire year, but I wondered how much energy, how much attention could we get towards investing during a particular moment in time? And what better moment in time than Black Friday when people spend an unnecessary amount of money on stuff they don't even need, right? So I'm going to get into that a little later. But before I do that, I do want to give some additional historical context, right? Like, why is this important? Because a lot of a lot of people might not think this is important. They might think this is a gimmick. They, they, I don't know what they'll think. But I want to just really unpack for you guys why movements like these are important. And, and there's so many people advocating um, for financial literacy nowadays. I'm not claiming to be the only one. Um, I do believe that we've done some fairly innovative things. Um, I don't think anybody can deny or argue with that, but I'm very excited to see all of the conversations that are happening around people of color building wealth. So let's get into why this is important. The median average white family in the United States has approximately $117,000 in net wealth, while the median African-American family has approximately $1,700, right? And you don't have to be a mathematician to see that that is a gross disparity um, when you compare the wealth of a person of color, more specifically an African-American, 
to that of their Caucasian counterpart. And if we did the math on that, that is a penny in wealth for every dollar of wealth that the typical white family has, right? That is extremely significant. You know, this is a real problem we can't ignore. And I see so many people now making great strides towards, like I said, financial literacy and investing in the stock market, investing in real estate and finding ways to save more. It's so inspiring. Um, and we just have to do our part to change the narrative on why is it that we're doing more, but yet this wealth gap, right? This wealth gap is ever growing. So I thought it was important to unpack some of the causes so that people know that, hey, it's not just my fault. I'm not just super terrible with money. While we all probably could be better with money, there is systemic and historical impacts and reasons as to why um, this wealth gap is what it is today, right? Until the 13th Amendment in 1865, slavery legally prevented blacks from building wealth. Until the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Jim Crow laws continued segregation in the South. They detail what jobs blacks could have and how much they could be paid. They created indentured servitude. They restricted where blacks lived and traveled. Public parks, transportation, restaurants, all were segregated. Even some towns, complete and whole towns, were off limits to blacks. These laws were violently enforced by the Ku Klux Klan and lynchings. Between 1880 and 1950, white mobs lynched blacks at least once a week for some perceived breach of racial hierarchy. Most of the lynchings took place in small southern towns where poor white farmers perceived blacks as an economic threat. In 1935, Social Security Act excluded farm workers and domestic workers from occurring benefits. At that time, most blacks still lived in the South and they were illiterate. That meant they were more likely to be farm workers and domestic workers. As a result, two-thirds of blacks never received Social Security wealth building benefits. So you see that? Like, I'm going to just pause there for a second. Okay? And this podcast is very stat heavy. So, yes, some of this stuff I have to read. Um, but just understand that, right? So the engineering behind people wonder... Well, how is it so hard for blacks to succeed? Because historically, laws and rules were created to intentionally and strategically prevent black people from thriving, right? If they knew that black people lived in the South and black people were historically were going to be relegated to jobs like farming and domestic work, and we said, hey, look, maybe a few farmers, a few white farmers might... um unfortunately catch the brunt of this, but that this is going to disproportionately impact black people, then guess what? We're going to write these laws to make it happen. So I just want you guys to understand that. Like this is deeply embedded in the fabric of our country. The mobilization for World War II and the civil rights movement sought to reverse this legal discrimination and it had mixed results, right? In 1948, President Harry Truman ordered integration of the military, the GI Bill of Rights assigned veterans with housing, education, and jobs. Between 1944 and 1971, it spent $95 billion on benefits, but it was left to the states to administer. As a result, black veterans in the South were denied access. Again, so, you know, it looked like some change was coming. But because who was in control and who was in power, blacks were once again denied access. All right, let's move on. In 1954, the Brown versus Board of Education ruled that school segregation was unconstitutional. But schools followed local neighborhood boundaries and neighborhoods were segregated. Right. So just because, you know, integration was possible, schools were still found uh, following the neighborhood boundaries, which ultimately was going to exclude blacks. In 1964, the Civil Rights Act ended Jim Crow laws. In 1965, the Voting Rights Act protected blacks' rights to vote. In 1968, the Fair Housing Act ended legal discrimination in renting and selling homes. The legacy of Jim Crow laws created a structural inequality that has been difficult to erase. Despite these laws, discrimination against blacks owning wealth has continued. Welfare programs such as transitional assistance for needy families and supplemental nutrition assistance programs forbid beneficiaries from accumulating wealth. In some states, they can't save more than $1,000 or own cars worth more than 
hundred. So let me put that into perspective for you guys. So these benefits that are supposedly um, looking out for underprivileged people, communities of color, things of that nature. What it's really doing is pigeonholing you to never prospering to a certain point, right? It's like, we're going to give you these benefits, but you better not save. You better not get ahead. You better stay poor so that you can get these benefits just to stay afloat, right? All this stuff was engineered, right? It's dressed up and designed to help, but it's actually causing more harm. Federal government policies actively promote wealth building. Each year, the federal government offers around $400 billion in tax cuts designed to build wealth, according to the Corporation for Enterprise Development. At least 34% of the cuts promote home ownership, while another third subsidizes savings and investments. A 2018 Duke University study reported that reducing the racial home ownership gap would narrow the racial wealth gap by 31%. Now, I do have my own personal beliefs on that. I understand that home ownership is probably an easy path to kind of improve your net worth. But there are you know different ways that people can build wealth more effectively. Um, but again, anything at this point is better than nothing. Now, the cuts help the wealthy more than the poor. Again, all strategy. The wealthiest 5% of Americans are in the best financial position to take advantage of these tax cuts. As a result, half of the 400 billion goes to them. The middle 60% only receive 4% of these tax cuts and the bottom 20% of the taxpayers get almost nothing, All right? So let's talk a little bit about the economic impact, okay? So higher birth rates and immigration mean that minorities are becoming a larger share of the U.S. population. And by 2043, blacks and Latinos will outnumber whites as a result the racial wealth gap will drag down the average wealth of the entire country. So, you know, let's talk a little bit more about how we can close the gap, right? One way to close the gap is to increase economic mobility. Despite the promise of the American dream the, in the United States has a lower levels of economic mobility than many other developed countries, okay? Progressive taxation will help close the inequality in the U.S. income. Poor families spend a larger share of their income on cost of living. They need all of the money they earn to afford basics like shelter, food, and transportation. A tax cut will allow them to afford a decent standard of living, and it will also allow them to start saving and increase their wealth. Next comes equality in education. That would bring everyone up to at least a minimum standard. Research shows, significant research shows, that the greatest single correlation of high income is the education level of one's parents. Equity would allow minority children to be more competitive with those who live in higher income school districts. It would give them stronger skills in the job market and for managing their finances. Investing in human capital is a better solution than increasing welfare benefits or providing universal basic income, okay? So as you can see, Based upon the way like these school districts and things of that nature are still kind of set up to this day, like where you live is going to depend potentially on the quality of education that you get. Right. If you live in a poor area, you're probably going to go to a school that gets um, minimal funding and they're going to get minimal talent as it relates to teachers and educators and administrators. And it perpetuates this cycle of not having equality in the very thing that can help level the playing field, right? Now, what I can say, not playing the victim mentality, while we shouldn't have to go through non-traditional routes to be able to gain this access, right? We do live in an era where Google is a click away and most people, generally speaking, in some capacity could have access to the internet, right? And could have access to some level of self-education. Now, without knowing where to search and what to search for, you know, that could be you know, a fruitless search or a challenging one. But at the same token, we do have to use what we have and where we are. So for those who, you know, are listening to that last bullet point saying, well, you know, I can't help where I live. And, you know, you know, how am I going to get access to that, that information or that education in advance of any of this, these laws or any of these things happening in real time, you can always self-educate, right? It may not be easy. It may result in a lot of trial and error. At the end of the day, Google is free. 
and you need to take full advantage of what you can to try to tap into, you know, increasing your education, right? Now, what I will say is in today's society, you know, it is easier than ever to access information. Now, the unfortunate part about that is it's also the gift and the curse, right? So just as easy as it is to access information, it is as easy for someone to create fake news, as people like to say, right? So you do have to be careful. You do have to be mindful, but doing nothing will get you nothing. So I strongly encourage you in advance of any of the, the things that I've previously laid out actually coming to fruition, that you take matters into your own hands and try to learn as much as possible and increase your level of self-education. One of the most important things I want people to understand about wealth is that wealth is accumulated, right? So it's not about like having a big financial windfall and people and white people just being so much more likely to be rich than you. We talked about the systemic oppression that has existed for hundreds of years in our country. And that is the reason why it's so hard for people of color, for black people to progress because wealth is accumulated, right? It doesn't matter if you're making 80,000 or, or a quarter million dollars a year and you have a Caucasian counterpart that seems to be in a similar position than you in terms of like your income. But why is it that they have so much more wealth? And the stats tell us that. It's not about guessing. Like the stats tell us that they have more wealth. Why is that? It's because they have likely been able to benefit from the generational impacts of wealth accumulation, right? What happens with most of us is we make make money and we have to pay and we have to take that money and help out our family, right? Whereas within Caucasian families, their parents and their grandparents and their great grandparents, they had wealth. And quite frankly, people who are on our level are having to work less and less for the wealth because it's being passed down year over year, decade over decade, century over century, right? They're accumulating more wealth. And the more wealth you have, the more it compounds and the more it grows even easy because of how much exists. And so that's the very important thing to understand. You know, you can have a great income, right? You can have little to no debt working in your favor. But the reality is there's this little thing called accumulation and generational wealth that is not making the playing field all that level, right? And you just have to understand that. So, you know, I, I see all these stats all the time about, you know, black people are starting businesses and black women are the leading entrepreneurs and we're earning more, we're doing better. And all that's true. But I would be remiss if you didn't understand why we're still so far behind, right? And to me saying that is part of it is taking some of the pressure off yourself, right? Like it's not all our fault, right? Or most of it's not our fault. But just because it's not our fault doesn't mean that we can't do anything to change the narrative. That might mean that while in our lifetime, we might not be able to benefit the full extent of having these paradigm shifts when it comes to wealth building. But guess what? That is the whole thing about generational wealth. Right. I don't expect to exhaust and benefit from everything that happens in my lifetime. I'm expecting to set up the next generation and the next generation and making moves today that they can benefit from. And if you don't have that kind of mindset, then you will never be able to help close the wealth gap. If it's all about how can I stay afloat, how can I get ahead for myself today, right now? It's impossible because generational wealth is literally the building block of closing the racial wealth gap, right? And that starts with you. It starts with I. It starts with what can we do right now to change that narrative, okay? So now I can talk about exactly one step in the right direction that we believe can significantly bring awareness, number one, to this issue. Because a lot of people don't think they're they doing bad. A lot of people don't think this, this, that this is a problem. They think that, hey, everything is everything. I'm good. I'm doing well. I'm making good money. I'm gonna be all right. Okay, but are you setting up the next generation for success? And, and if we're being honest, maybe you're earning more. Maybe you're earning 60, 70, 80, 90, 100,000, 200,000. But what's your net worth? What's in your bank account? What's in your investment account? So all that sounds good about how much money you're making, 
but what have you actually accumulated, right? What do you have like to show for it, right? At the end of the year, after working 2,000 plus hours, after having a gross salary of anywhere from 60 to quarter million dollars, where is it? What do you have to show for it, right? And that is the difference between income and wealth, right? We have to accumulate. We got to stack. You know, people say stack your bread. We got to stack our bread year over year over year over year. And that is how we create wealth. This podcast episode is sponsored by CapitalWise. CapitalWise is a boutique financial planning firm serving entrepreneurs of high growth companies. We also have investment management services for all. Plan precisely, invest intelligently. CapitalWise. All right, so let's get into it. What is Black Wealth Friday? Black Wealth Friday is an initiative to have people of color invest 10% of the money they normally would spend on Black Friday, okay? Now, this movement was created by myself, right? Uh, I'm the founder of CapitalWise. I am also the founder of Melanin Money. Uh, CapitalWise is a registered investment advisory firm, um, and we're based here in Charlotte, and we also have offices in Atlanta, And Melanin Money, as I mentioned previously in the podcast, was the initial movement that I had to bring awareness to wealth building as a whole. So we created merch, um, all that kind of stuff, because we wanted this to be a conversation that never stopped. Okay, so that is what we're talking about here. We're talking about taking 10 percent of the money that you normally would spend on Black Friday and invest it into an investment account instead. Right, invest that money into the stock market, redirect the consumerism, and now start creating wealth. Now, I want to go ahead and just quickly pause there before I move on to the next point. Many of you don't even have a budget for your everyday spending. So when I say the amount of money you were planning to spend on Black Friday, you might not know what you were planning to spend. You all you knew is there were some sales coming and you was gonna get what you wanted, right? So what we encourage you to do is not overthink it, right? Pick a number. Hey, you know what? I want to put $500 away this Black Wealth Friday. I want to put 1000 I want to put 5000 I want to have my money work for me instead of me going out and spending all the money that I just worked for on, and I'm sorry, excuse my language, but shit that I don't even care about that won't even be relevant this time next year. We have to, we have to switch our mentality. So that's the what. Black Wealth Friday, people will be able to invest Um on Friday throughout the weekend, I kind of, I guess, stole my bullet point for when. But yeah, Blackwell Friday, you can visit blackwellfriday.com for more details. Um, and really, what you need to do is just sign up to be notified, and we'll send you the additional details. Okay? And, but there are some details on the site. Why? Why is this important? I think I just spent a good 20 minutes explaining why this is important, but let me speak to this specifically as it pertains to Black Friday, Okay? In 2018, African-American households accounted for 17% of Black Friday spending, which would equate to about $1.54 billion that we spent during that weekend. Okay? $1.5 billion. And I know this is possible because I'm going to get to another point later on in the podcast. But when I saw this number at first, I was like, that's huge. No way. But it's possible. right? Not to mention that our spending power is $1.7 trillion. So the reality is black people got money, right? We got money. We got money, but we spend it, okay? And we have to be more mindful of where we direct our dollars, right? We have to be more mindful. I talked about earlier how the median wealth of a white family is 117000 while the median wealth of a African-American family is 1700 Okay? That is a huge disparity. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So it's important. It's imperative. It's necessary that we take steps to change that. We have to stop focusing on liabilities and start focusing on assets. Okay? Now, when? I think this is pretty obvious. Blackwell Friday will begin at midnight on 11 29 2019, and will continue through 12 2 
19, which I guess technically is like Cyber Monday, right? So all of the days where people are planning to spend money, and I know, and I know people are starting Black Wolf, excuse me, Black Friday earlier and earlier every year. Um, I, there's something to be said about creating a monumental shift in just a few days. So I would love to see what we can do in just a few short days. So I, so this campaign officially starts and opens midnight on Black Friday. Now the next question is where? Okay, where do I invest this money? So Capital Wise, um, my investment advisory firm, has an institutional relationship with the number one online investment advisory platform known as Betterment. Okay, um, the platform that we have access to is known as Betterment for Advisors. Right, through this relationship, investors can open up an online account in just a matter of minutes and will be able to access and view their investments 24-7. Instructions on how to open your account will be provided um, you know, in just a few days of Black Wealth Friday. The reason why I'm going to provide it in just a few days in advance of Black Wealth Friday is because I want it to be fresh on your mind, and the relevancy of it is only to be able to know how to open, to open your account, right? So you know, you're going to get that information a few days before Black Friday, or at this point, I'm going to say Black Wealth Friday, period, as people like to say, period. You're going to get that information, which is going to walk you through exactly how to open your account in real time. All right. How is this going to happen? Okay, We know where it's going to happen. Now, how? Now, through this campaign, in just one weekend, we're going to truly show the world the power of the black dollar. By opening up an account through our platform, we will be able to provide detailed stats on how many people invested in the total dollar amount that this campaign generated. Okay. Now, remember, this campaign will go live at midnight on Black, Friday, black Wealth Friday. I got to get used to saying that, right? It's not just Black Friday anymore. And you will receive all updates and be notified as we continue through the weekend. Okay? Now... I know people are going to have questions. I know people are wondering like, okay, well, who are you and why should we invest our money with your firm and, you know, all that stuff. So let's just touch on a few things, right? Because quite frankly, number one, if you decide not to do it, it's it's a-okay with me, right? If you decide, when I say not to do it, I mean not to do it through my firm. If you say, you know what, George, I like the concept, but I don't want to do it through Capital Wise. Cool. Go do it wherever you want to do it. The reality is I we just won't be able to track that, right? And I'm not and tracking isn't the most important part. The most important part is that you take the action. But if you want to be a part of the collective and understand what we were actually able to do this weekend or on that weekend, then I ask you to take a chance and invest with us, right? Now, why should you take a chance? Let me, you know, I don't like talking about myself, um, but I do want to give you a little context on who I am and what we do. So, you know, my firm is what you would call a registered investment advisory firm, also known as an RIA. Not to not to be confused with an IRA, which is an individual retirement account, but but an RIA, which is a registered investment advisory firm, okay? Now, just to give you a little understanding about the significance and importance of us being an RIA, out of all of the investment institutions that exist in the country, only about 1.6% as of my last check, 1.6% of those operate as what we call a fiduciary. And all that really means is if I don't do right by you, you could sue me and I could go to jail in layman's terms, right? Now, you would think that that would be the standard. You would think that everybody who's in a space of helping people invest their money should be held to that standard. But the reality is over 98% of investment companies don't operate that way. What they do is they have two hats. They say, oh, on one hand, I'm a fiduciary and I only recommend stuff to you to see your best interest. And on the other hand, they, they, have, they, they follow a suitability clause. And they say, well, you know, we're duly registered. And under our suitability cause, which meaning, which simply means all that we have to do is put you in a better position than you were before you met us, then we did our job. 
So if that means that you invest with us and you weren't investing before, then guess what? We put you in a better situation. So it's a much more loose standard for the other 98%. We fall into the 1.6% okay, of people who have a legal obligation to do what's in your best interest. Okay, So that's one of the reasons why you should trust us. How will the money be invested? Probably one of your other big questions, right? How will the money be invested? So the way the money will be invested is we will invest your money in what is known as exchange traded funds, okay? An exchange traded fund is basically a collection or a basket of investments, okay? That typically mirror other investments in the stock market, okay? So for example, if you say I really like Apple, I think Apple is a great company, I use it, millions of other people use it, I wanna go buy Apple stock. That's awesome, I own Apple stock, right? In another portfolio. The benefit of us investing in an ETF is we can look at, now Apple falls into the technology sector, right? So we could then say, all right, instead of investing in just Apple, which will cost me you know, a lot more money per share, I'm going to invest in a technology fund that has other companies, right, that are in the same sector as Apple, right? So that way, if one of those companies doesn't perform that well, I might have 20 other ones in the portfolio that I can lean on. Because the other thing you want to realize is that I don't care what anybody tells you, every investment is not a winner, period. No one can guess, no one can predict that every company is going to do well forever. You just can't, right? At one point in time, if there was a point in time in our history, if I would have said BlackBerry is going to fail, you would have told me I was wrong. If I would have said a Circuit City is going to fail, you would have told me I was wrong. Right? If I would have told you that Enron was going to fail, you would have told me that I was wrong. If I would have told you that Nokia was going to fail, you would have told me that I was wrong. If I would have told you that CDs would no longer be relevant, you would have told me that I was wrong. You get the picture here? Right? So industries change. No one is always going to predict when that change is going to happen and how it's going to happen. Same thing with Blockbuster, right? Um, as a matter of fact, Blockbuster got disrupted by Redbox and Redbox and Blockbuster also got it, got disrupted by Netflix, right? Being able to stream directly. The funny thing about it is Netflix is currently being disrupted by a bunch of other streaming services and Netflix will probably fail, right? And you heard that first here on the podcast. So things change. And so the reason why we like diversifying our investments is because it gives us the opportunity to benefit from investing while lowering our risk in the process. Okay. So that is why we really like ETFs, especially for people who don't already have a lot of money invested or don't have a lot of money to invest in general. You don't want to take your chance investing in just a couple of stocks and those stocks don't perform well. You don't want to get the shiny ball and say, hey, I got $1,000 to invest and I want to go buy Amazon. And you realize, oh, wait, I can't buy Amazon at all because Amazon is worth more than $1,000 for a single share. And a share represents a unit of ownership, by the way, for those who didn't know. Okay, So we're going to invest in globally diversified exchange traded funds. And all that means is that you are going to be, in, be able to invest in a basket of assets that are diversified all across the world in a variety of different sectors and asset classes. Okay, But you don't have to worry about any of that. All you have to worry about, because we're doing the heavy lifting for you, is taking your money, opening up an account through our firm, and selecting a dollar amount that you want to invest. And based upon the way you answer the questions when you create your profile, that is going to tell us or give us at least the initial information we need to select the right investments for you. Now, I'm going to go ahead and address this on the front end because there will be people who call themselves activists or advocates for the people. And they're going to say, they're going to catch one of this movement and they're going to say, well, if he's going to invest your money in ETFs, why wouldn't you just do that on your own? And they're going to tell you how you can do it. 
And then my first question is, okay, well, where were you before? And why is your claim to fame telling people why they shouldn't invest in this movement and why they should do it on their own? Okay, great. Maybe they should do it on their own. But the reality is most people are intimidated by investing. And so when you do it through our firm, you're going to gain access to our educational resources, i.e. webinars, i.e. email series, i.e. content series to help you better understand what you're doing. Okay, that's what you're going to gain. Now, you could probably Google that information for free and, you know, you could Google financial advice and nine billion search results could come up. Right. But doing it through our firm, you're going to be able to refine that process by working with us. And so then your question is, well, if I could do it on my own and I could also do it through you, I'm you basically just explain what the benefit is. But what is what is that benefit costing me? OK, so let me break it down for you. Very simple terms. Because we're a fiduciary, we have to be very transparent with our pricing. So to give you a little bit of context, just so you can understand in layman's terms, if you were to invest $1,000, right, that's going to cost you about $9 for the entire year, okay? And that $9 is going to come from the account that you have with us. So you're not getting an invoice saying, hey, look, or it's not a subscription payment from your bank account that says, hey, we need our $9 this year. Every quarter, at the end of the quarter, we're going to look at your average account balance through that quarter. Okay, and based upon that, that is what you are going to pay. So your fee remains constant regardless. Your fee is 99 basis points. Okay, and for those who don't know what a basis points is, it's just another unit of measurement. And basically, 99 basis points is just one basis point shy of 1%. So if you do the rough math, right, that is why. It's $9 a year instead of $10. Because if it was 1%, you'd pay $10 a year, but it's 99 basis points. So you're going to pay about $9 a year in this example. Now, of course, you're thinking, well, why would I pay a thousand? Why would I pay $9 and then I invest a thousand and then my account value goes down by that nine throughout for that year? Well, the, the difference between this and your savings account is you are investing. And so Without going into much detail about the historical benefits of the stock market and that it's on average, it's averaged between 8 and 10% on average, right? Without going into any of those details, the goal of investing is to see your money grow. So what you're paying is going to come from the growth and the performance of your account. So let's just say in, in this example, your account value goes up 8%. If you're paying... 99 basis points, then basically you really earned about 7% because your fee had to come out and you had to compensate our firm. Now, obviously, uh, you know, every investment has an underlying expense ratio and things of that nature. But at a very simple high level, that is exactly how it works. Okay. You will have 100% visibility and transparency with understanding what that fee was and what you paid every time you paid it. That fee comes out quarterly. So in this example, on a $1,000 account, right, if you were paying $9 for the entire year and the, pay, and the fee comes out quarterly, you're basically paying $2.25 a quarter. Now, that's based upon that $1,000 example. If your account grows to $1,300 or if you have a $10,000 account, apply the same rules. But the more of the story is it's peanuts, right? We are doing this for the culture. There are much easier ways in this industry, which is why you don't see anybody else advocating to have who has a legitimate investment advisory firm to help people open up accounts for as little as $1,000 or less. I just did the math as to why that wouldn't be advantageous. Now, then you might ask, okay, what about all those other companies, right? Like, Charles Schwab and TD Ameritrade, uh, E-Trade, Scott Trade, Robinhood, all those places, right? Now, you could go there. You could open up an account. And a lot of these, these companies now are offering what they say, zero commissions. Again, now, why do you think after all these years, these companies are offering zero commissions? The reality was they have been nickel and diming people 
for years. And people just didn't understand because there was no clear upfront fee. It was like, oh, you don't have to pay us anything. Just invest your money. And then what they were doing is they were charging transaction fees. They were charging fees every time they rebalanced your account. And rebalancing is basically a, a fancy word of saying if your account should be 90% stocks, 10% bonds at all time, if it ever falls out of that balance, that we need to sell some stuff and buy some stuff to get it back into balance, right? So they charge you for any time they had any activity in your account. So while you weren't having to pay a set fee every quarter, you were potentially paying daily or weekly anytime transactions were happening. And now we just live in this information age where people understand a little bit better that that just doesn't make any sense. So now these institutions are having to kind of change the way they do things to retain their customer base. And sure, you could go to these accounts or these companies and open up accounts and have zero uh, zero commissions, right? You still would probably have your expense ratios associated with the underlying assets that you own. But then the question becomes, are you going to know what to select? You could Google it. You can hope you get it right. Or you could invest with us, know that you're going to get it right, and know that we are on your side educating you the entire way, okay? Just want to get that out there on the front end. So if anybody tries to come and say, hey, he, you know, you could do this on your own. There's a lot of, you could, you could fix a tire on your own, but why don't you do it, right? We are creating this platform to benefit. This, understand that this is largely skewed uh, in your favor because this building a platform like this is very time consuming, but I care so much about creating this level of awareness and opportunity and access for black people that I'm willing to do it anyway, okay? All right, so... As we close out this podcast, you know, I want to just give you this analogy so that you understand how possible it is for us to have significant impact for this campaign. Now, this is the first year and I didn't give myself an entire a lot of a lot of runway. And I had so much doubt in my head. I was like, you know what? Like, you don't have enough time. You thought of this idea like three weeks before November Two weeks before November, you got to build a web page, you got to build a campaign, you got to create a video. Like, just don't do it. Just wait till next year. And I kept playing that tune over in my head over and over and over again. But I realized, if not me, then who? If not now, then when? Right. So I need you guys to come together with me so that you we can justify that this was a, a noble and worthy cause, even in its infancy with so little runway to get this to market, okay? And so it made me think about Black Panther. Black Panther, we were all so excited about that movie. I was so excited about that movie. I went to go see the movie. I had on my dashiki. It was lit, <laughs> you know? And in the opening weekend for Black Panther, and ticket sales are what, 10, 11 bucks? The opening weekend, Black Panther did over $200 million. Over $200 million off of $10, $11 ticket sales, which is, which is powerful. It just shows, and we know black people were the most people that went to go see it. It shows how powerful our dollar is, right? Now, while that was an enjoyable movie and that was a $10, $11 well spent, the reality was it was just that. You got that memory, you spent 11 bucks, and that's that. The difference between Black Panther and Blackwell Friday is that when you invest your $100, your $500, your $5,000, whatever it is, right, that money is just going from your bank account to an investment account. There's no consumption involved, right? Now you're building wealth. And so instead of that money being spent on something you'll never see again, you redirected that money into an investment account. And even if it was as little as $100, right, or $500, the reality is if we had similar numbers of support, now granted, I don't have a Black Panther marketing budget, which we're going to talk about in a second. So I know that especially in year one, it'd be next to impossible to have that much support because they spent an ungodly amount of money on marketing and promotion of this movie. Right. And then not to factor in the affinity of, that people have for these characters and the storyline. I don't have that going for me. 
But what I do have is I know that this can go viral. I know that you guys can share this with everybody you know, that you can post it yourself, that you can tag tag Diddy, tag Oprah, tag Charlemagne, tag uh, Ava, Ava DuVernay, tag everybody and anybody, tag across, tag people who are peers of mine, you know, um, just tag anybody, share this with anybody to say, hey, look, we are going to change the narrative for black wealth in a weekend. And we're going to do it every year and it's going to get bigger and bigger until we do a billion dollars in a single weekend. Right. So I, I know this year, you know, we don't have as much momentum as, as I would like, but we do have an opportunity to set the stage and set the standard that this and now forever going forward, that this is Black Wealth Friday. Okay, we don't have a choice to sit on the sidelines anymore. I gave you the stats, I, I, and I'm, I'm thank you for all those who sat, you know, sat through that historical context. I gave you the stats on why this is necessary and why this is important. This is not to say that you can't invest throughout the year and open up an account through our firm, but it's to say I want to show the power and importance of what can happen when we lock arms. Now, the important thing to understand is. I think I didn't say this earlier. Your money is not pooled together. OK, this is not a, a group economic fund. OK, now, while we might have some initiatives in the future that will allow us to communicate and connect so that we can pull our money together. Right. To be able to do bigger business and create bigger wealth opportunities. The first step is building your own wealth, right? It's the age old quote, like if you're on an airplane and they say, hey, if, if the oxygen levels get low. You know, pull the mask down and make sure that you can breathe. Right now, we want to make sure that you can breathe. Right now, we want to make sure that you can make a statement, right? This money isn't getting pulled together. This money is your money opened up in an investment account, okay? Um, in addition to that, it's fully liquid and fully accessible, right? You're going to have to connect your bank account to fund the account, which means that if you ever have to withdraw, you can withdraw the money, right? Obviously, you know, there's a such a thing called as capital gains tax. So if your money grows, you would have to pay a tax on the portion that grows if you decide to liquidate it, right? If you hold those gains for over a year, I mean, if, if you take, if you make a withdrawal within the first year, it's going to be taxed as ordinary income. If those gains stem beyond 365 days, it then it simply reverts to what is known as capital gains tax, right? But beyond that, it's fully liquid. You can pull the money out, right? If you need to. We don't want you to pull the money out. The whole goal is to build wealth, but part of people's caution is illiquidity, right? If I put my money here, I'm not going to be able to access it. Yes, you will. There's an app. There's a website that you can log in to at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, whenever. See your account and access your account. Right. With without ever having to talk to me or anybody from my firm. Again, the goal is to leave that money there and then add more to it so that you continue to build wealth. But I just want to level set because I know that might be someone's drawback. What about if I can't get to my money? That's not an excuse. You can get to your money. OK, so I'm going to link this in the show notes. The official merch of the movement is melanin money. Right. The melanin money gear, which can be found on melaninmoney.com. Um, I didn't create anything new um, other than what we've had on our store that has been selling for uh, years. And that reason reason being, one, I didn't have the time. I just had a big launch. And as you can see, uh, you know, I had really little to no runway just to get this campaign out. The last thing I could do is find time to think of new merch to create. But what is in the store is statements, right? Conversation pieces, things that, oh, where'd you get that from? I got it from melaninmoney.com, but the reason why I purchased it is to bring awareness to Black Wealth Friday. And so I'm going to link a discount code in the show notes. Um, be sure to check that out. It's, it's the official um, merch of the movement. Uh, I just want you guys to be able to have you know a more opportunities to spread the word and, and look good while you do it. Right. So that's the official merch of the movement. Again, the focus of this campaign, absolutely is you opening up an investment account. However, I just wanted to make sure that you knew that there was merch available at a discount 
so that you could share the word about this movement for Black Friday this year and beyond, right? Because if someone misses out on the wave, which is very possible, especially in year one, and you're wearing your melanin money gear in December, January, February, March, yo, that's dope. What's that about? Then you can help them get geared up for Black Wealth Friday 2020. Because Black Wealth Friday 2020 will be 10 times the size of Black Wealth Friday 2019. However, that does not mean that I don't want us to do everything possible to make Black Wealth Friday this year as viral as possible. I mean, I'm going to post it on my outlets, but I want you to share it, repost it, text it, forward it. Like, please, I don't have Black Panther's marketing budget. And remember, this is for this is truly for the culture. A lot of people say things are for the culture. Well, this is truly for the culture. We're truly creating an opportunity in a platform that has never been done in this capacity. We have plenty of wealth equality advocates that educate you on building wealth, which I think is phenomenal. But I have been put in a position because I own an investment advisory firm to give you the direct line of opportunity to open up an account and get started with as little as $500 or less if you have to, right? So if you're listening to this podcast, make sure that you go to blackwellfriday.com, sign up to be notified so that you can be informed on how to open up your investment account on Black Friday weekend, okay? This podcast should be going live the Friday before Black Wealth Friday. So we literally got seven days to share the wealth. All puns intended, okay? Seven days to share the wealth um, so that everybody can get started. And then the week of Black Friday is when you'll receive the information on how to open up your account, okay? All right, guys. Well, that is all that I have for this particular episode. I thank you for bearing with me. Um, I had a lot of information to get through, and I wanted to make sure that I provided some historical context so that you can understand that, hey, this is not a game. And we got to be the front runners. And we have to be the ones to make the change. And we got to start where we are, do we do what we can, and use what we have. And I will end with this final quote. We truly live in a great society when a man or woman plants a seed for a tree whose shade they'll never sit under. Okay? You're planting seeds right now. For your great, great, great grandchildren. I recently saw the Harriet movie. And whether that was a complete accurate depiction of exactly how that transpired or not. We all know the Harriet Tubman story. And the reason why she went back and freed other slaves after she was already free. Is because she knew that she had a responsibility to bring people to where she know she knew they were supposed to be. And that's free. And we have a responsibility to set the precedent to create freedom for our family. We have that same responsibility. Financial freedom. Okay? We're not enslaved uh, in shackles anymore, but a lot of us are enslaved financially. And so it's our responsibility to change that narrative by taking that step. So I hope you'll take that step with me. I hope that you'll lock arms with me. And I hope that you'll share this with as many people as humanly possible so that we can shift the culture and change the narrative. Until next time, guys. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of The Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours? What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for listening to the Uncensored Podcast. Whether you've listened to one episode or 40 episodes, I am so grateful for you taking any amount of time out of your day to listen to my show. Now, if you like what you heard, 
the best way to show me that you have an appreciation for this content is to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and share this podcast with at least three friends because that helps us spread the word, right? We don't have a big marketing budget over here at the Uncensored uh, Podcast Studios, which is my home office, by the way, but we do have your support. And with that support, we can reach thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. So guys, thanks so much uh, for your support. Please share this with three friends and leave a review and we'll see you on the next episode.